Recorded in the darkest dungeons of the basement of Death Studio, Josh, Troy, and Ty present a show dedicated to bringing you, the listener, into the adventure right along with them. Pick up your sword or load your bolt gun, but don't forget your helmet, because it is time for some playin' and slayin'. Live from the BOD studio, it is playing and slaying. I've lost track of episode counts. I think it's 34. You got it. You're correct. Uh, you know, summertime, the brain starts it to is, slip a little it bit. It is the first, I was just saying, as I came to the studio, it's the first podcast of summer here in Wisconsin. Yeah, the longest day of the year. <laughs> from here on out, it's all downhill into uh, the winter. Yep. Because this is like the first podcast where it's been above like 40 yeah the sun was out today for <laughs> right. like an hour or two right. yeah yeah it's been a rough spring yeah. that's for sure all the snow's melted finally but finally you know people are gonna be like what the hell is going so, on in so here here in the land north of the wall in wisconsin uh <laughs> we're gonna talk about some stuff today tonight um for your listening pleasure you the listener hopefully hopefully you listen you might just download and that's okay <laughs> but uh we're gonna talk about what we have been playing uh what we've been hobbying slash you know painting building uh and purchasing any kickstarters uh the usual the usual banter to lead in then we're gonna get to our main topic um my editors have told me i can't tell you what the main topic was going to be uh it needs to be the 10 days 10 games there was a twitter thing kind of a twitter chain letter of sorts yeah. <laughs> um that we we all ended up getting tagged into and shared covers of games without explanation or reviews um what i think would be fun uh for this episode is to actually do kind of a review and why you know why that game's relevant mm. no it'll be great radio we're just going to show the cover on the podcast <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh <laughs> All right, we really need some some content, um, <laughs> and then we're going to do a player to slate review of uh, treasure decks for Dungeons and Dragons um, by Nord Games. They do um, they do treasure decks for different challenge ratings and encounter decks, and some third party content using the open game license. Uh, so we will walk through what those are, um, talk about the uh, the overall aesthetic and usefulness of those for our Player Slate review. All right, before we get to the uh, the meat and potatoes, we need to make sure we have a proper amount of beer um, to loosen up our vocal cords. So when you're playing and slaying, it is important to stay hydrated. I'm going to kick it over to the, uh, the Bodfather himself, Troy, uh, recently returned from a brew festival up in door county wisconsin to tell us what he is imbibing all right i want to get the name right yeah i was up in bailey's harbor for the door county brew fest or beer festival i'll give it the right name um it was great because it well it was great in the fact that it was like again 40 degrees and raining all morning and luckily at noon through the afternoon it actually got to like 50 and a little bit sunny 
which is perfect weather to kind of drink beer, right? And eat a lot of food and everything else. So uh, a lot of fun. And uh, so I got one of my favorites was Central from Central Waters, which, of course, right, should be like, oh, that's going to be good stuff. Uh, their vanilla bean stout, a bourbon aged stout with, um, I think the guy said, like, they hand uh, scrape the vanilla in and i think that or he was just giving me a line but <laughs> but you definitely can taste the vanilla there's some good yeah good uh good rich super smooth nice thick i think it runs like 10 percent. so if i'm stumbling over my words by uh by we get to the hobby segment you'll know why it's not like anyone's drinking a whole growler of it tonight <laughs> <laughs> soon though um central waters are they in amherst Is yes that right? i believe so yep. yeah yeah they make some good stuff josh you have a can uh, of beer a big can. Yes, I have Hop Freak. It's a double IPA from Milwaukee Brewing Company. That's local flavor. Hop Freak. Hop Freak. It is uh, delicious. It's one of one of my favorites by them. Um, and yeah, that's their tagline. That's local flavor. Oh, I see. Yeah, I see. Because we're near Milwaukee. Right. You got it. Oh man. What, what do you got Love there, fella? I am drinking something from uh, Founders Brewing in Michigan over the lake, the Backwoods Bastard. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's one of their one of their stouts that is a um, little boozy, but pretty smooth, delicious. The Detroit Warhammer Club might might uh, drink some of that. Yeah, I, Sean. What's kind of cool? Sean Clark is actually a big uh, a big beer head, so it's fun chatting with him about about beers. Nice. And I can't remember, for the life of me, the hoodie he wears. There's a brewery in Michigan that he always wears the hoodie on tournament days. All right. That was fun. We're drinking. Woo. Now, for the really fun stuff, let's talk about how we screwed up Dinosaur Island again. <laughs> I, I, I'm all fall on the sword. Kind. I don't know. I don't well, know. I'm going to pull the sword out because I feel like it was a group effort. Yeah. What what I should have done, uh, and I'll, I'll preface this, is I should have read the rules to Dinosaur Island. I still haven't. But I, I should have done that, to especially after we played the National so Parks version where we yep. weren't collecting income. Um, <laughs> Super yeah. hard. Because I think we need, yeah, we need to have more than, you can't rely on just me to remember all the rules because there's too many there's steps. too many rules, yeah. Um, yeah. So if we have like a couple people that can try and remember then i think we'll have a less chance of missing complete rules like giant rules like important rules maybe we'll just miss the little rules which won't <laughs> but, be uh, as bad i mean ultimately it was it was just fun yep. to get together we we all we had a night that worked out which has been rare recently um and we got together and tom tom joined us and we played dinosaur island from uh pandasaurus um uh, we've talked about the game at length before, so we don't need to, you know, do a mini review or, or anything like that. But it was, uh, it was a relatively close game. Came down. Mm-hmm. I mean, we weren't calculating victory points correctly but, on Park Guest, but, but we were all, but we were all, all incorrectly doing so, it. So it's not. Um, it was real close. I, I yeah. can't remember if Josh or I won, but it was think, like a point or two. I think you did by yeah. a little that, bit. Uh, yeah. That separated it. So it was, it was a good tight game. Spent most of the night playing that. Um, and uh, just in, enjoying sitting around the table playing a board game for once because it had been quite quite a while since we did that. Yeah, and I, again, I again I like I think it's the theme. Like I as and it's a heavy euro really right when you take the cover off, and uh, I just really like the the and it I think visually it is pretty cool because it covers the table and everything mm-hmm. else. So 
one of these days we'll play it right. So. <laughs> <laughs> and we, I mean, I still have, we still haven't even touched any of the expansion stuff that I have for it too. So yeah. Yeah. And with summer in full swing, uh, I've been playing a lot of family games at home with the kiddos. So, uh, one, I just want to mention here real quick, um, by ILO, uh, uh, monster chase uh the kids really get into that one i don't know why it's really fun um but yeah the basically they chase away monsters with different toys every monster has a a toy they're scared of and so you have to sort of a memory game type thing but uh they really like it so for what it's worth hello very fun game i'm gonna i'm gonna skip to that family game category so coming back from origins um I picked up a game, sight unseen. Uh, there was a guy volunteering in the, the booth, uh, Brian, um, and his girlfriend was demoing games at Mayday for the weekend. And he said, yeah, there's this game called Coconuts. You have these little monkey launchers, and you launch these plastic rubber coconuts um, into cups. So it hmm. it has an element of, like, what, you know, beer pong. Like quarters. Like you're trying, yeah, quarters. But you're using this launcher to like flick the coconuts into cups and then stack the cups in front of you. You build a pyramid over them. First person, they get a, you know, a three by two, but six cup pyramid wins the game. So pick that up and brought it home. And Landon and I have been playing quite a bit of uh, coconuts by Mayday games. It's a little dexterity game. And uh, I guarantee we'll be finding coconuts around the house for the next <laughs> three months. But, uh, um, when I went to buy it on Sunday at, at the Mayday booth, the guy gave me a bag of extras from like the demo copies. They had a little bag of like 24 extra coconuts because you get, you know, 32 or whatever in mm-hmm. the box. And he's like, here, you'll want these. It's like, oh, cool. So, coconuts. You're trying to become the monkey king by getting the yeah, most the cups. King. That's the. And then if you play it, there's cards, like magic cards, that, that you put an effect on the other player. Mm. Like, you have to put your hand over your eyes and shoot blind. Or you have to, you know, um, do it backwards or other just weird Fun stuff, things yeah. that mix up the, the gameplay. Okay. Cool. Uh, you guys want to talk about that whatever MTG arena? I have no idea what that is. <laughs> oh, I shouldn't say that. I signed up now. I am. A, yeah, I am you a, play. I, I play now. Yep. Yeah. So uh, Magic: The Gathering Arena. I've I've actually after real early in the the beta, getting in like almost at launch of the the closed beta, um, and not being able to talk about it for a while, where I dabbled it in. I'm like, ah, I don't like this. I lose all the time. Uh, Danner sent me a deck that now I've gotten up to gold tier two um, through winning games, which isn't great, but I mean, that's better than living in the bronze tier. So, <laughs> um, but having some fun with that, building some other decks. And I, I do the daily quests or the weekly, get the open new packs, plug one or two cards into the deck I'm trying to make. And then, you know, it's not like I'm sitting there for four or five hours. Um, but I've done a couple of the drafts and it, it's gotten me kind of interested in casual magic again. Um, I would never go to an event or play at like a store, but you know, playing with fr- friends or once the ability to play people easily on your friends list or do like a, a draft with friends, I mm-hmm. could see that, you know, that getting some play for me. Yeah. Yeah. Same. I've, I've just been kind of, uh, plugging away doing the daily quests and stuff and just throwing some cards around so it scratches that magic itch for me 
Um, so yeah, no, it's good. And they they're always out with the new sets, and you know you can get uh, different little cosmetic things and get different uh, packs. And yeah, I don't know. It's it's fun. It's it's a good time. We should we should play for the plane and slaying throne. All right, we should do a best of seven. I'll have to uh, bring your filth. I I don't have any good decks anymore. So I, I don't have a good deck either. Well, you do. You have a good deck. But it's, I mean, it's not. I, I need to build me. up a little bit. It's me. All right. We'll play. We'll play. Yeah. And then who? Or the winner can play me. Then. Yeah. All the right. winner will play Troy. No. But, <laughs> well, maybe. Who knows? <laughs> All right. So should we do? How about Nexus? You guys? Yeah, we can cover uh, it. Yeah, we'll because we'll it, it was kind of right after I think we recorded our last episode. Yep. Was uh, Nexus Game Fair in a new location in Brookfield, which I thought was a really good spot. Yeah, for us. It, yeah, it, it's really close. It's the closest it's, convention to my house. That's right. It's about what? I don't know. It's under 10 miles from our houses. Yep, yeah. yep. Um, and we ran Zombicide Black Plague on Saturday, kind of Saturday afternoon, Saturday night. Um, Got to thank uh, Chris Hoffner again um, for taking care of us and uh, inviting us back and, uh, and checking us out. Um, but it was a really, uh, I liked, I, again, like I said, we liked the location that's uh, Sheraton kind of right next to a mall, kind of one big ballroom was pretty much where they had most of the stuff. Kind of half of it was the game area and half of it was kind of their vendor hall. And, uh, we had, uh, I think we had two really good games as on beside. Um, we used Josh's wonderful painted, uh, stuff. So as soon as you lay that out, you kind of get oozing out cause there was, there was nothing like that. I don't want to toot our own horns, right? There was nothing else like that around there. There was some, there were some other cool games, but I mean, most of it is board games, RPG stuff. So you don't see a lot of miniature stuff and kind of visually appealing stuff. So it was, it was fun. Well, and similar to like the Space Hulk, you know, mm-hmm. that you guys run, um, people will stop and and kind of yeah. go, oh, where, where'd you get that or where'd you buy that? And you always kind of get, oh, well, I, I molded this. This is her starts, yeah. and they're like, whoa, it's a lot of molding. And then you get the people that are like, "Oh, I should you should just three D print it." And I'm like, "Yeah, thanks." But <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah. gotta, th- I mean, there's I uh, gotta thank. I don't remember the guy's name. There's a guy who played with us over at Game Hole who also played um, with us. Also, Leo is a local guy mm-hmm. who um, played with us and uh, um, had a couple two. I think we had five and six. I think I think we had full almost mm-hmm. full games on both. And uh, my brother John was out there too. And then Josh joined us and. Um, it was fun, yeah, fun little con. I think it'll be interesting to see if they, hopefully they continue to have it out there um, and see what. Uh, I don't know what the tenants seemed okay. I mean, I don't know what. Uh, yeah. For a new, I had some new location. I'm sure they have to kind of figure it out. Um, I'm, I, I would kind of wonder a little bit always if it should be a four day con. Maybe they should kind of tighten it up and just have three days. But I don't know. As long as people are there playing games, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, it was a good time. Did you guys get a chance to check out the vendor hall at all? I know you did. Past, I will. Been... I will talk a little bit in Kickstarter. Okay, cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so I guess I'll. You guys talked about your con. Mm-hmm. I um. I went to a little game convention in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, Origins. Um. Pretty much the opposite of Nexus, but <laughs> <laughs> it was. What was funny is in between games. A lot of the, as the people that were playing, like we had a big conversation because a lot of people at that, again, a few, most of them were going, like Leo and other people were going to Origins in a couple of weeks or whatever. Um, so it was interesting to kind of talk to them and 
shared experiences with all going down there. So, yeah. So, um, I mean, I was in the booth for Anvilate with uh, Will and uh, Aaron, uh, you know, Im- actual employees of Anvilate mm-hmm. Games. And then um, one of the envoys, his name is Brian. He uh, He's also a hacktivist. He's been doing some demos in his local store, um, so got connected with the guys. And he was running Frontline most of the weekend um, and helping out in the booth. And then uh, at night, Aaron and Will and I would go usually find some food uh will and i would have some beers and then we'd either sit down for a game or just hang out um one night will tried to tell me that appleton was on a lake Uh, (laughs) i vehemently defended the fact that appleton is not on a lake might be a river it there is a river yes uh that flows into a lake which is south of appleton and menasha is actually on On the the lake lake. appleton is not uh, so after we got done playing Where in Wisconsin is Carmen San Diego, um, that same night we played a game of Orbis, introduced them to it. Um, note to self, don't play game designers at games ever. It's just not a good idea. Um, you don't do well. Uh, then the next night we got in a game of Puerto Rico, Aaron and I, with a guy that he used to work with um, who did some editing and was helping GM some of the Ethereum role-playing game stuff, uh, Mason, and Mason's fiance Elaine. They killed us. Aaron and I were playing for third place, uh, seeing who could build the better sugar empire. I'd never had a chance to play Puerto Rico, and that's kind of one of those, um, you know, when people talk about Euro games that yeah. are in that pyramid of these are some of the best ones and better ones, it's always in that discussion. Uh, so it was, it was fun to learn a new game and, and play that, but what a dry game. Like, uh, building your port city, <laughs> warehouses. Oh, it sounds like I'd love it. it was, yeah, you would hate it. Have you yeah. played it? No, I mean, oh, yeah, you would hate it. Because I can't, get, I can't get my head uh, wrapped around, like, it doesn't, I'm glad you, because it just feels like it the, should be dry. Yeah, yeah. The, theme, the theme was a killer. Afterwards, Aaron and I were like, maybe we shouldn't play a boring game at 11 o'clock <laughs> at night. Um, but... And then we uh, we also one night joked that we were going to play the new Shadowrun 6th edition quick start, and we opened it. It is not a quick start. There's a <laughs> lot of reading and a lot of stuff. You can't just sit down and play it. So that didn't happen. But um, it was a lot of fun hanging out with those guys. Um, uh, definitely, you know, there were a few a few listeners that came up throughout the, the weekend and said hi, which was really cool, um, you know, because we're, we're a small show and just getting a chance to talk to some people that, that listen and um uh you know show talk about what they're playing uh one uh you know the uh, world war ii game like storming mm-hmm. the beach just some cool stories from their experience at the con was was really fun um and hanging out with uh with will and aaron was great um so hopefully do origins again with them because it's a good chance to to get to a fun convention did you get to escape from the booth very often to see if was there anything any highlights you yeah saw so, on? so i mean um the what's crazy about origins now i've been going back a couple years now with them how much it's grown uh from mm-hmm. eight or nine years ago when we went mm-hmm. as, as attendees it, yeah it hasn't been eight or nine years ago. <laughs> um, yeah uh but you know there there was some cool so um you know i mentioned shadowrun catalyst had shadowrun sixth edition kicking off um Anvilate, it was really cool. We got the Ethereum role-playing game books in Thursday. They shipped 100 to the hotel because mm-hmm. um, uh, they had some printing delays. But it, all the companies are there. Um, 
you know, in, in the different areas, demoing different stuff. Um, Plaid Hat had a new game called Abomination. We were trying to collect parts to make Frankenstein's monster mm-hmm. before they, like, rot or go bad. So I think that's set for a Gen Con release. Um, that looked pretty cool. I can't think of the company now, but uh, Quan Shai Maria did the art for a skyscraper game called High Rise, mm-hmm. which was kickstarted recently, and the company had uh, the prototype version that they were yeah. demoing set up, so that was cool to see. Yeah. It's the same company that did the networks. Um, I saw, yeah, I saw I some, their... yeah, some something on Twitter or something on, <clears throat> online, something like that. But yeah, there was there was some cool stuff. Um, Cubicle 7 had, you know, Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay, the One Ring, their booth. They didn't have any of the AOS stuff on preview, mm-hmm. so I'm guessing we'll see that at, at Gen Con. Um, yeah, it, you know, game convention. Any favorite food? <laughs> well, the North Market. Hubert's Polish uh, Polish Deli. Uh, I went there twice, had a kielbasa <laughs> sandwich with two pierogies. And oh, there you go. Just amazing. We went to Elevator Brewing Company one night, had a bunch of beer and some food there. Uh, and then last year we went to Pints and Pies. It's this pizza place and craft beer um, in the short north. But they closed. We don't know what happened. So we Googled and found there's another one that was a 20-minute Uber ride away. So Saturday night we took that Uber ride and went out to Easton Mall <laughs> outside of the city just to get okay. to Pints and Pies to have pizza and beer. So, so yeah, that was Origins. Good time. Kind of a mini-review. Um you know, talking to Matt and Elena, they're thinking about going back maybe next year. Um, every year I talk about it, it would be fun to to attend. Um, you know, it's tough to do that and Gen Con as right. attendees, but uh, something to think about. It's it's a really good like, show yeah, and a it's, year to, it's a good crowd. To flip it, yep. Cycle off, yeah. If you... All right. Um, D&D, nothing really happened. Another character died. You guys went into a dungeon. Wait, this is, wait, for some listener, this is their favorite part of the show. You don't want to short sell them. That's right. Andrew wants to hear. So, let's set the scene. You guys returned with the final puzzle cube that you needed. You were going to partner with the Red Wizards that had one. I don't know if we were going to partner to to journey into the tomb of the night. We had made a loose a loose deal, a loose deal. Yeah, there was a loose. And you you escaped from the fane of the night serpent Mm -hmm. with you know you had. I don't think we escaped that. We made a deal with her and we just walked out. You did walk out, but it was an (laughs) escape. That fight got that fight nasty nasty with Sekalok and Mm Rosnasi and all the guardians. Um, so you made it back to your house unscathed. Everything was fine. Everything looked good. None of you noticed that Orvex, your friendly, helpful scholar mm-hmm. that you had met, uh, didn't quite look like Orvex. There was just a minute detail off, and everyone went to bed. And then because we were like hurt, bleeding, tired, exhausted. I believe I had one spell slot left. Yeah, I had five hit points. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was grim. You guys needed a long rest. And then in true evil Dungeon Master style, um, I sprung an ambush. Uh, but you detected it because I believe Rip, Tom's character, mm-hmm. the druid, noticed that just a little patch of beard was a different color on Orvex as he snoozed in the corner in his chair and detected as a doppelganger. Had Tiamat, the halfling fighter, and Derek, the rogue, get their weapons ready, rouse him, and kill him. And it was at that point that 
alchemical fire flask exploded through the windows and hit the building as the red wizards attacked to betray you in the middle of the night in an effort to steal all eight puzzle cubes from you. Those jerks. <laughs> and they almost had you if it, yeah. wasn't, if it wasn't for Vorn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, on the south side, we weren't. We were doing fine. Uh, the fireball went off and dropped, uh, I think, dropped right. Akashi. Right. It was, yeah. The other, the west yeah. side and the north side, there were some problems. These guys defended the Aruan building. And then after defeating the wizards and gaining their puzzle cube, all of that fire and noise attracted the King of Feathers, a huge Tyrannosaurus Rex. And uh, we introduced a new player. Heath um, is Somrigan, uh, a celestial um, monk. So he came up and he had befriend, kind of offered to help and like he had a place to go to. And he was set up to flee. Brendan screened with like the the spell, the you know, the serpent, the darkness. Silence, yeah. Dark, yeah, right. yep. And um Rip turned into an Allosaurus mm-hmm. and did the engage mm-hmm. and try to hold for a turn or two so you guys could flee. Mm-hmm. However, he didn't share that with the party before turning into an Allosaurus and going to fight. So it created this whole like do we do we go, do we stay? What happens? I think Nate, Troy's character, Nate, the sorcerer, launched a fireball at it. Um, just no, actually, it was shot. born because oh, I born. had I had a one stored in there because I didn't have any spells. But <laughs> <laughs> and then Derek stayed close by to rip, but didn't really engage. And Tiamat was hiding nearby, so the party split, and Rip uh, fought valiantly and lasted three rounds against mm-hmm. the King of Feathers before the jaws closed upon the Dwarven Druid. And uh, continued to close as he was eaten by the King of Feathers and died. So a valiant, noble death mm. defending his friends. Yeah, letting us get away. Um, letting you escape with all the puzzle cubes. Uh, and then um, he had another character ready um, that he'd been talking about for some time with me. Uh, Gussie Giant Brain Nindle. <laughs> Forest gnome, cleric of Tamora, perhaps the greatest role playing <laughs> of of the campaign has been accomplished by Tom as Gussie. It's fantastic. He's the best. Yep. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Uh, and then you guys went into the Temple of the Nine Gods and started exploring the first level. Um, some near death experiences, you know, drinking from a magic fountain, almost turning to dust. <laughs> Um, and we ended on a bit of a cliffhanger, so like a literal two, cliffhanger. Two uh, two spirits possessed two members of the party. Mm-hmm. So the tricksters uh, um, have possessed two of the seven now. And right as we ended, uh, Derek and Gussie were going down one hall through this like spinning adamantine blades, mm-hmm. um, as. You, Nate, levitated Akanchi across a chasm where a treasure chest was on this narrow ledge on the far Mm -hmm. wall. Uh, Yeah, because we split the party. You split the party. Which is, yeah. Yeah. Although not intentionally. It was like, it was funny. After the fact, I'm like, oh, we split the party. Nice job. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, I was quite cognizant of the fact you had split the party. You you slipped it in there on us. You you created the opportunity and we didn't, we didn't even flinch when we did it. I'm like, oh yeah, you guys go that way. We'll just walk around. No problem. And then, um, I think the last words before we wrapped for the night, 
Josh is Akachi says, <laughs> can I pick up the, ch- or I go to pick up the chest or yeah, I try to pick mm-hmm. up the chest. Uh-huh. And that's when he realized the treasure chest that had been on the hard to reach ledge was not in fact a treasure chest. It was a mimic as it's pseudopod tongue wrapped around your hand and why would, to why would jump a mimic down on you. be on the other? It just <laughs> makes no sense. But it's awesome. It's awesome because I did not see it coming, and that's exactly what a mimic would want. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's getting crazy. You know, only five more levels to go in the Tomb of Nine Gods, yeah. or a room in five more levels. I'd also like to point out we've seen another chest in this in this temple that was not a mimic. So it didn't right. even register right. in my head that it would be a mimic. No. You also saw I thought that. it might be a, there might be a trap or something right. else like that. Yep. That's why I was gonna grab it and try to get away with it. it. And then we'd look at and it and we'd see if there's a trap. It. Yeah. Right. The underground river with the gas cloud that exploded when your ever flaming magical axe mm-hmm. yeah. made contact with it was pretty cool. Yeah, because he can't put it up. <laughs> yeah, it's getting. Everybody it's getting was mad nervous. at me, and I'm like, "What do you want me to do? <laughs> I can't put out the." We're axe. gonna get you a scabbard of everlasting water. It still flames. That you just stick it in. It flames in the water. It would just create steam. You could carry it around in a bag of holding. I don't have a bag of holding. We'll find one. <laughs> You'll have to ask Keith about that, though. All right. Mm. All right. D&D. That, so that recap was for you, Andrew. We mm-hmm. should get that sponsored. We could get that section yeah. sponsored. <laughs> sponsored that by D&D. Mr. Mephisto. Right. Listen to our lame campaign recap. Yeah. Brought to you by Mr. Mephisto. All right. All right. <laughs> Playing hobby. Man. Um, I'll just start because I have zero drive. I'm back to like, I, I don't know what's wrong with me. Ever since I finished that Stormcast Army uh, back in, in January, February, I just can't get going on a project. I put together six Crypt Flares and an Arch Regent for a Flesh Eater Quartz experiment. That's as far as I've got, and I haven't come back. But I do have other people working for me. So mm-hmm. Anthony is making me uh, a bunch of 3D printed terrain that I'm going to pick up at Nashcon. Uh, some really cool stuff from the printable scenery. Troy also is is printing some some buildings and stuff. That's uh, my for hobby me. for you and for he. So definitely uh, <laughs> excited to. And where it's all good, my intent is I want just an incredible Warcry table for when mm-hmm. that game comes out. I want a bunch of ruined buildings. I want city streets. So. Um, I think that's going to be what gets me back into the hobby mojo is if Warcry is at all good. I, I'm, I just want it to be decent. I want it to be something that I can play to renew my interest because the new handbook is out tomorrow and I have zero excitement for the first time in a few years. I think I'm hitting kind of a Age of Sigmar lull. I love the company, like the people, mm-hmm. the events. I just am not really... Excited for a new army or anything. Excited for a, a project or something. I mean, I'm kind of on hold until the new Sylvaneth book, wherever, hopefully yeah. it's soon, wherever the it's lost on a boat. Ever yeah, lost China. on a boat. But I think between <laughs> that and then, the, but I mean, I'm not like, I'm not anywhere near you. So I'll be, I'll be in my lull and I'll probably be towards as we get end of summer, fall before I start to like, oh, now will be time to kind of redo Sylvaneth and figure out if I, how to make my army somewhat competitive. 
or just built some cool stuff. That'll be part of it too. I mean, I do have cool stuff. The arch revenant model is kind of sitting there, but I don't, I don't like that base model. So I kind of want to do something special with it to do it. So I may need like Bryce's uh, hobby superness to help me figure out how to like convert it to something, <laughs> something even cooler than it is. Well, like, <clears throat> excuse me, like, uh, like Tyson, I'm, uh, I had a few boxes of Crypt Flares, so I'm putting those together uh, just to add to my Flesh Eater Quartz. You're nothing like me. You're a monster. All right. Gristle Gore. Well, I mean, you know. You're a monster. You're a monster. Um, <laughs> I've had these um, decent-looking pine trees uh, that I've been using for terrain, and I need to put a base around them, so... Uh, over the weekend, I got on the uh, the bandsaw and cut some area terrain bases for those. So I need to, you know, put some paint and some texture on them. So What's the guy got to do to get some some bases like that from you? You just let me know the size, buddy. Sweet. I'll cut them up. I need building bases for my war cry table. Yeah, mm. we can we can make it happen, Captain. Wonderful. Cool. Um, but yeah. Uh, it's fun to uh, cut some stuff up, and uh, yeah, now I just got to throw some texture and paint on it and call it a day. But yeah, it was good to actually have them now, like because <laughs> I've been meaning to do this for a while, and I just you know put some time into doing it, and it, it sounds like so simple and dumb, but just you know time and actually doing it, right? The motivation yeah. we're all kind of lacking, yeah. Ugh. but. I think so like away from miniatures and, and hobby like painting, I've been doing a lot of time reading the adventures because I'm I'm running a second campaign again. Um doing Curse of Strahd, so I'm doing two weekly D and D games now. Uh I've started thinking about trying to run Ethereum here and there mm-hmm. or Outbreak Undead here and there. So I've jotted down I've been doing a lot of like campaign prep and just mm-hmm. ideas for different RPGs focuses on some of that creative energy there so it's not like a total gaming hobby uh void it's just the the miniature gaming uh void right now is is pretty big so yeah trying to stay hobby adjacent cool so new can we drag up something from other yeah um the what's really got me excited is the contrast paints um i know everybody's talking about so we don't have to go in detail but i have painted what i've been using it for is actually i've i've got a few and probably more than I need, but um, I got a few, and I started painting some um, zombicide stuff because I think like the that's where I'm seeing like this contract stuff for just getting some of these board game miniatures that I've been like, oh yeah, I should paint these. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have more painted than a lot of people do, but there's mm-hmm. even more. I'd love to paint even more of my zombicide stuff, and um, and that's where I'm looking like, are these going to be really a nice, cool, quick solution? And so. I painted up one character, one Milo, uh, who's a, a hero character, the Milo character with, and then I did another, um, what's the mage guys or whatever they're called, I can't think of it, in, in the Necromancer. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I painted up another Necromancer just to kind of play with it. Um, I don't know how he came out. He used green, and I wasn't that excited about it. Um, but it was, it's this fun, easy palette to kind of play with them, and... So as I kind of get some more colors, I think I'll keep doing that. And it's just, it, it that has gotten me because I hadn't painted in, I don't know how long. Um, so I'm really excited and kind of watching these videos and what people like Tyler Mengel and stuff are doing here is amazing. And you're like, oh, I just want to 
experiment with them and see what they're like. So mm-hmm. I imagine I think I'm going to keep doing that, just experimenting and probably with board game miniatures, maybe them, and probably not with 40K or other stuff to yeah. start with. But if, if I ever get this Flesh Eater Quartz mm-hmm. Army like assembled and primed, I'm going to do contrast painting, mm-hmm. I think, just to I want to do a project with them. Um, so. Yeah, because it, it, it's kind of cool because they're new and it's just like something, what, it, you know, experiments. It's just fun to what, experiment. What I'm not think, sure what it's going to do and what then you it's What I think is incredible about 10 years ago, there was this huge push of like people that dipped their models mm-hmm. were lazy. <laughs> GW has just convinced every single person that buys their stuff that dipping is okay. No, not you even the, the but, dipping. Dipping is too much work. That's what it yeah. is. Like. <laughs> this this paint gives it, it's giving that effect. Right. I mean, yeah. a little cleaner, a little okay. different because of all yeah. the shades of color yeah. and, and tones available. But really, that's it's it's your base coat yeah. with shading. Like yeah. that's um, it, it's interesting. Uh, I I want to I want to play around with it, but I just I think that's a funny kind of that was my take yeah. on it was. I think they just convinced everybody that yeah. you don't have to do, you know, the base layer highlight wash no. dry brush method they've been kind of talking mm-hmm. about. And it's still, and you can still do it for that. Yeah. You can mix it. Yeah. That's what's cool. I mean, cause there, yeah, there is like straight contrast and what's the simple kind of get it going. Then there's kind of a hybrid, like maybe use it for some of the big stuff. And then you still go in with traditional on other things. Yeah. And in adding and then, the contrast medium, you can do glazing. Oh, you can yeah, do like, so, it's, it's so spreadable that yeah. it makes glazing just much easier. Yeah. And then I think I, I haven't experimented with it yet, but the stuff, um, Heath was talking about it. Those things over top metallics. I think that's going to be really cool. Like, I think you're going to see a lot of like power armor kind of guys and really getting some really cool effects with that, yeah. that currently people are doing, but you're doing it with metallics and then people are airbrushing with like a real transparent or a gla- you know, to try and get that kind of almost candy kind of coating. Mm-hmm. Um, but now it's like, it seems like there's a real easy way to do it with some of these contrast things. So again, it's just gotten me like totally jazzed once when, when they kind of introduced it. Cause right way back when, when they kind of said, Oh, contrast, like we didn't know what, like, what are they talking about? Yeah, the easy way. Mean? What is this going to be? Everybody's like, Oh, it's some kind of airbrush thing or something else like that. And I don't think anybody dreamed like what they thought, you know, and I can imagine they had some serious chemists figuring out how to heck to make this stuff work. So yeah, that's my excitement contrast paint. So I'm going to jump from hobby excitement to Kickstarter. I haven't backed anything in a long time. And uh, I was in Columbus on, it must have been Friday or Saturday, mm-hmm. when I saw the alert that something <laughs> I'd been kind of tracking was closing in a few hours. So I sent a message out uh, to, to you guys about it. But um, so Elena, a dear friend of the show, fed her on uh, you know, a long time ago to talk about art. She's been doing a lot of Magic the Gathering stuff. She also revealed the cover of a 5e adventure uh, written by Alex Kammer, the, um, the, the gentleman behind game, the game hole and game hole con. Uh, he wrote a adventure called Sea King's Malice, uh, which was Frog God Games um, putting it together with him and Elena did the cover art. Um, so, and Beetle and Grimm did a map folio, like the map vault. So there's just a lot of different people. Um, so I, I went in and backed the, the hardcover book and the map vault from Beetle and Grimm that level I did just to get, um, to get both. But I think you guys both backed it as well. 
Yep, same. You know, I get the map vault as well. Yeah, and appreciate the uh, shout out uh, that day. I had actually backed it earlier that day because it was on my. I need to do this before you know. I had uh, yeah, but yeah, no. Thank you for rem- the reminder yeah. though, because yeah, it was. Uh, it's super cool to see, especially one of our friends do something big like this. You know, so yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm really excited for it. So yeah. Anyway, but you guys, you're not going to be able to read the adventure because what if I run it? Uh, I'll only read it with my right eye, and then when I play, I'll close that <laughs> eye. I'll, if you're going to run it, I'll, I'll hold off reading the adventure. Well, it's not an audiobook, so we should be good. <laughs> <laughs> burn, sick burn. No. Did you? Uh, what is the Black Death D20? Uh, so at, I was going to say, I was, this is my callback to Nexus. So at Nexus, um, in the vendor hall, which is little, um, besides buying new Keyforge, um, decks, uh, <laughs> Keyforge. <laughs> yep. It won a collectible, uh, game at, at Origins. Origins. Yeah. I saw uh, that. And it had a huge Keyforge event right. that I walked by mm-hmm. several times and looked disapprovingly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I only bought two de- two of the new decks, um, just for fun. Um, but uh, I met these this guy from uh, Black Oak Workshop, um, who does uh, custom dice. And uh, one his latest Kickstarter is uh, that Black. Uh, what are they calling it? Black uh, Black Death. Yeah, Black Death D twenties. Um, but that's basically how he's done. Over he's done Kickstarters and then created the dice and then and sell them. So I, I picked up. Uh, I like them like they're a little bit larger than kind of the normal ones that you see. Had some cool, um, had some Dragon D6s. They had numbers on them, though, so Ty was a little not, <laughs> not in his. I'm not going to disparage it. Not, not in his wheel. Trying to make a living doing, doing what he And they're pretty cool. And then they had this really cool sword die. That not at all cool. <laughs> impossible it's, to well, tell I, what's going it's on it's really cool i just i agree i would not actually roll it and expect my anybody to actually know how many swords are on the die that you're doing but it is pretty cool. dick dice yeah but i will use it actually i will use it against ty for as the priority die yeah roll and you'll, you'll roll one every, every time day. yes <laughs> i learned something about dice this weekend yeah. what'd you learn are you guys aware that there's a method? Uh, so Game Science does their dice mm-hmm. one very specific way, and most other dice companies do it um, a different mm-hmm. way. I didn't know this until Will educated me um, when he bought a thing of D10s. Mm-hmm. Um, most dice companies will tumble their dice once they trim them mm-hmm. from the the sprue the you know that yep. they are cast on, and that will round it out mm-hmm. and evidently imbalance the probability yep. of the dice hmm. tumbling dice yep. so you see these nice round edges because the dice have been tumbled yep. in this machine to even smooth them out, them out yep. smooth them out game science just tri- snips them out and leaves them with that very sharp, sharp hard yep. edge because evidently they they roll better air quotes uh, more more random than tumbled dice i didn't know that uh, but i learned that this weekend interesting mm-hmm. I don't believe it. I think Will cheats. Yeah, I was and, say, uh, is there science behind this? Or? There is game. No, game science. Game is science. The name have, of the guy's they've company. been around for yep. twenty years or something like that. So the guy that's that been their own, pitch runs the forever. booth is the owner, and he's like seventy. Yeah, he's, they've been doing it for a long time. But I'm so I'm glad you know this now. Yeah, so I, and it's my fault that I didn't. I should have shared that knowledge with you. Yeah, ten years ago. Huh. 
but I think yeah. I learned it like 20 years ago, so I probably forgot yeah. it. Yeah, I've learned a lot from you, Troy. I'll no. forgive the dice tumbling. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, yeah, it is interesting. Game science, that is their kind of their oh. shtick is like, hey, we make real, you know, kind of the whatever, the Vegas casino style. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the right thing, right? We make that kind of style quality of dice um, for those people who are, because I'm sure all the dice we use are actually probably not very random, but in the scheme of things, they're probably all unrandom in enough ways that they make them all random eventually. Right. That's the, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So let's, let's get into some other, other geekery. Mm-hmm. Um, what I want to touch on real quick is Ethereum, the role-playing mm-hmm. game. So I mentioned at origins, we had copies of the book. I brought, um, I brought books home for, for the guys um from the show so this was the first print run um sadly aaron didn't sign your guys's but he did sign mine and i just want to read aaron's in, in we'll find it. real quick we'll find uh, yeah. next episode we want to do a deep dive of this mm-hmm. and review it and hopefully get aaron and or paul uh on the, the designers but aaron wrote ty you make me want to escape into the ethereum so we can spend 12 <laughs> times more time together aaron darland so the ethereum things happen 12 times faster so it was a a funny little inscription but the book is absolutely gorgeous um Mm -hmm. the graphic design the layout like um it's it's just a really uh attractive role-playing book Mm -hmm. um and i i hope it it takes off the gen con 12 events are all sold Mm -hmm. out at seven players um uh, various people will be GMing those, um, but hopefully it, it drives some traffic and, and does well. Origins, you know, opening uh, against Shadowrun Sixth Edition was really tough, mm-hmm. so a lot of the sessions didn't didn't fill up. But three sessions ran with uh, Mason GMing them, mm-hmm. and people really enjoyed it. Um, I went to one or two where one person showed up, and I just talked about the game and explained the mm-hmm. rules with the person that bought a ticket for an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, Aaron had a similar one like that. So it's just getting it out there. Um, but uh, they've got it in their web store. Eventually, they'll have the PDF on drive through. Um, they're working on some new content. So hopefully, we can talk to the guys and, and do a deeper dive into it. But uh, it's really cool to have it in hand and, and see it out there, out in the world. It's cool. Yeah. And we've all, I mean, we all played kind of the, you've all played it many in many versions over the years that's been as it's been in development so it's really cool to kind of finally see it in the you know as a real hardcover book it, yeah it's super i'm i was super excited when you you showed me that and the cover is amazing like i really love that yeah the, the cover looks great all the art really looks yeah. great they um they did a, a bang up job and the game's super fun mm-hmm. and the the colors of the sections are on visible on the outside of the page so like if you know where the game mastering section is you can you know flip to okay. it you know the back blue section is the material world the meat space so um at a glance the coloration on the, the side of the pages you can go to the section you need which is that's pretty smart pretty cool all right i'll stop because uh, we're going to talk about it at great length yep. <laughs> next time awesome on the Saturday of Origins was also Free RPG Day. Yes. So I picked up a few things, um, and then Ty, I think they had, I assume they had a decent, did they some, do anything at Origins? Some people in the booths had it. Um, so, like, 
Renegade uh, slash Hunter Press yep. had a room where their games were going, and they had a stack of stuff that uh, was out there yep. that I believe you picked up that I also picked up from them. Said hi to Alex, uh, the yep. the community yep. guy. Um, he was there. Him and his wife had a brief chat, and then headed back to to the booth. Yeah, and yeah, the, that was the, the most exciting stuff. Was the stuff that was from Renegade Hunters was the uh, kids on bikes. They had a they had a. A uh, little adventure house on Poplar Court that I was happy to grab. There's an intro manual for Outbreak Undead, uh, second edition. It's like it's like serious. It must be. I don't know what that is. It's got to be yeah, like thirty that, pages. So that's or their initial like that. first um, published like adventure, the Precinct mm-hmm. Three or whatever Precinct Thirteen, mm-hmm. um, just updated for second edition. Mm-hmm. So, and then uh, I grabbed the Witcher, the Witcher RPG, which I think came out at Gen Con last year. Um, so interesting. I'm interested in that, but it, so it'd be cool to kind of check that out. And then there was just uh, at the, our local game store, it was a Dungeon Crawl Classics um, RPG, and I think it's got two sides or something. Yeah, from Goodman Games that I grabbed. Um, but there was, and that was on Sunday because I didn't. I was out of town at uh, my brew festival up in Door County, so I did. <laughs> <laughs> so I was lucky that as I swung by on Sunday on my way back into town, they still had some stuff there. So. Like kind of flew under the radar for me. Like I, usually they kind of have a little more hype around it. Um, the free yeah. RPG, and it felt like all of a sudden, oh, it's this Saturday and it's here. So I don't, I don't know. We can market it better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't know about it until you tweeted yeah. something about it. So yeah, it was good. Um, so I, I just wanted to, I don't know, quick mention, uh, James Matthey, um, former owner of. Game Universe stores and uh, owner of Minion Games recently passed, and I mean he was sort of a pillar of the gaming community in, in the, at least in the Milwaukee area and 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 abroad, you know. Um, but yeah, no, I, he was always cool about you know talking games to to folks. And on his personal website, he had a lot of you know if if you wanted to start your own thing, he had a lot of tips and tricks on who to work with and who not to work with and what to ask. And I don't know. I, I, I always had a good conversation with him whenever I talked to him. So, um, yeah, I just wanted to kind of mention that, um, yeah, he'll, he'll definitely be missed. So, yeah, I mean, I was lucky enough. I got to, uh, Neil knew him, Neil, uh, who's my friend of mine knew him. And I saw, I got introduced to him through, through Neil and had, and didn't know him closely, but met him a few times. He was always around at conventions and, yeah. uh, and again, yeah, the amount of, like on his website where he would kind of give back on all his experiences of running a game store and running a game company. And, uh, yeah, just, I think that kind of showed like he, how much he wanted to kind of like share what he learned and so other people could, could learn from it. So yeah, yeah. definitely we missed. Uh, I, f- I feel bad pushing on with the show, but no, uh, a tribute James, uh, it was definitely a, a big part. I, I didn't know him on a personal level or interact with him much, but, um, his stores are our friendly local gaming stores. So yep. um, certainly, you know, left left a mark in, in this area. And Manhattan Project is a mm-hmm. game that many people are familiar with that Minion did yep. and, and other other things. So, I mean, definitely well-known and uh, he'll, he'll definitely be missed. Um, as, as far as other uh, categories and things to chat about, I know um, we, we blew Josh's mind last time with the uh 1.25 speed on on audible so josh how's that working out for you it's like 
it, it opened brand new doors to me. Uh, <laughs> like the it, doors of stone? Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. like the... Um, it, 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 you know how you learn something, um, so, so, something that seems very small, um, and it changes your life forever. <laughs> this is, this is that type of thing. So yeah, I'm listening to Wise Man's Fear at 1.25 speed and just, uh, just for fun. I've been listening, um, for, you know, a good portion of, of the book and, just for fun, uh, I don't know, a couple nights ago, I bumped it back to, to just one. And I'm like, this is so slow. Is this what this guy really sounds like? <laughs> then I, I bumped it back up to one, two, five, and almost right away. But yeah, it's it's amazing. Um, I am yeah, three quarters of the way through, and it, I'm actually, I, I, I almost want to bump it back down to one because I don't want the book to end because mm-hmm. I'm really enjoying it. So, um, so yeah, anyway. Um, great book. I won't. I won't spoil anything. I, I think most most of the listeners probably have already read it, but um, yeah, super good. Uh, highly recommend. So I'm I'm also listening to something uh, again that I had read long ago. Um, I'm trying to rewind my feelings towards Game of Thrones. Um, I enjoyed parts of this last season and I'm not going to spoil anything, but, um, there were also things I didn't enjoy. Uh, so what I'm doing to wash that away is I'm going (laughs) back through the books. So I started with game of Thrones on audible and I'm listening to the first book and I'm reliving those moments and those characters and, um, really enjoying it. I'm about 31 hours into the first, you know, 36 hour book knowing that the next four after that are just as long. So um, it's very rewarding. Similar to when I re-listened to Name of the Wind and relive those memories from 10 years ago, um, I'm I'm really enjoying going back through Game of Thrones. Are you going to stop after book three? Um, (laughs) I'll I'll do Feast for Crows, and I'll do... uh, I'll do dances. Dance the you sure? Okay. Yeah. I was saying you could just kind of hold I've off still, I've still and then enjoyed. wait till six comes and then go yeah, back through it. I've still enjoyed those. Um, I'm, I'm also listening to Good Omens before I watch the show. Um, and I'm trying to finish Sam Sykes' uh, Seven Blades in, in Black. So a number of things that I'm, I'm listening okay. to and working on right now. Good Omens is so good. I'm only... I only watched the first two episodes of the TV series because I don't want. I, there's only six, and I the same thing. I don't want it to like. I don't want to just binge it, and because I'm like, I really want to enjoy this and sit down. But yeah, just it's good. It's really good, and it'll be good. And I have not read the book in forever, so I think you'll actually because you'll probably there's a bunch of Easter eggs in the TV show mm-hmm. that you unless you're really kind of familiar with the book, you're not gonna like pick them pick them up. So I think they'll they'll be really cool. Um, so I did, I just wanted to touch back on, I did finish Shadow and Claw, uh, and you had read that, Ty, and I just want to, I, I more agree with you as I got through the book. I, I got through the book and I was like, oh, this is great, this is good, but I have no desire to keep reading. Like, it just didn't grab me, and it kind of, the, the second half, I, maybe that's where you were kind of talking yeah. about. The first half I was kind of engaged, and then the second half I kind of like, I okay. I got to the. I got to this, but I don't really yeah, have any desire to like. 
he, keep going and it even leaves it on a kind of a cliffhanger and i'm like mm, no i don't really and gene wolf writes he wrote in in a very lyrical way mm. like there's a lot oh, of poetry to it uh, i think yeah the writing is solid um, just the plot didn't really but it it yeah it it's clear that it was written it's it's dated it is dated itself and yeah. listening to it now uh, modern fantasy is so good and so yeah. different uh that you know i'll i'll read yeah. joe abercrombie yeah. and pat rothfuss and you know yep the 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 guys that are doing the great yeah. stuff now and leave gene wolf and yeah and I, mean, I don't know. Yeah, maybe at some point maybe I'll try another Gene Wolf book to yeah. see if there's something. Is it just was it just these set of characters and plot or something else like that? Too? Um, the other thing I'm in the middle of is Reemd, um, just because I, I'm I'm feeling you're like Josh. It's a 38 hour book. I was just looking to see. Is that Stevenson's new one? Uh, that is yeah, Neil Stevenson. Yeah. It's not his new one or and second. It's not newest. even. So I think it was. What's the? You should so, listen to it, listen to it at one point two. I do really so. Okay. That's why I'm almost done. I'm only got like eight hours left. That's good. Um, <laughs> and, and so it came out in 2011. Oh, okay. And what's interesting? It's one. It's a techno thriller, but because I mean Neil Stevenson, I, it's also a um, a novel of its time. Like it literally is, because it's one of the dangers I think of doing a very techno kind of thing is technology moves so fast like sure. there's stuff in there that's already kind of dated and but it's very solid for 2011 like <laughs> yeah, yeah right but it's kind of like if you go into so much detail like oh i'm gonna get all the tech right what happens is because that kind of ages so fast like it feels old right yeah. and it, it it's an interesting choice so i'm enjoying the plot and the story and it, stevenson there's a lot of stuff going on a lot of characters and it's almost like um i mean you know, jumping between different character point of view, I almost call it like a you know kind of thriller, kind of opera kind of thing because you're jumping between different points of view and a lot of rewinding where you you know he'll jump to one character's point of view, something will happen, and then you'll go to the next chapter and it'll rewind from another character's point of view and kind of bring you back up to that. So, uh, and, and so that's kind of I think how you get to the 38 hours because you're kind of kind of going over multiple things, but. Uh, I'm enjoying it. I'm like I said. I'm kind of in the race to like now. I want to get to the see how this thing kind of wraps up. But it is a little bit. I would give it a little bit of a eh, just because it hasn't. I don't know if it's aged quite um, quite very well because it does feel like yeah a little bit kind of out of time so much. But so one one other pop culture reading watching thing. There's so much that's being adapted for television. Um, the trailer is out for The Boys, an mm-hmm. upcoming Amazon show in July. The Boys was a comic book graphic novel uh, series in which um, superheroes exist, but they're they're jerks. They mm-hmm. kill people. They're you know they exploit their powers. Uh, and the Boys is a group of non super powered individuals that fight back in a very violent and horrific way at times mm-hmm. um, to to level the playing field. Which Brandon Sanderson totally ripped off with his books, mm-hmm. uh, all of the content. Right, from I was the boys. saying it's like yeah, it's but, like they're very um, similar in there. Uh, but the trailer looks really good. Yeah. Uh, the show I think is going to be fantastic, and it's coming at the end of July on uh, Prime, Amazon's uh, streaming service. So, and while while we're talking about shows, Handmaid's Tale season three is out. Just um, well, the first five episodes, I think. Yeah, Hulu. Yeah. So yeah, I yeah, it's a series that I'm really into. So yeah, anyway. 
Excellent. We're going to take a break. Thank you for coming along with us on that journey. No, thank, uh, no, thank you, Ty. <laughs> I wasn't thanking you guys. It's thanking our listeners. We need to be grateful for them, all five of them. Uh, when we come back, though, we are going to dive into our main topic, our top 10 list from Twitter. And I don't even want to call it a top 10 list. It was just 10 games, uh, 10 days that were, 10 days of 10 games that were impactful in, in our lives in some way. And talk about each of our lists, kind of run down them, uh, and, and just a few little uh, little tidbits about the games. So we'll be back shortly, and we'll go into it. So once upon a time, um, chain letters were actually mailed around the country, and you would do something, add a phrase, add a thing. Then it became email chain letters, uh, and um, now... It is Twitter uh, chain letters, in <laughs> essence, where you're tagging your friends and, and doing things. But I usually don't participate. Um, it's not a Ponzi scheme? <laughs> not a Ponzi okay. scheme. Nobody's making money off this. You sure? Uh, maybe an influencer. I don't know. <laughs> How many followers do, you, do we have? We don't have enough to be. Four? Yeah. I don't know. Four. We're not influencers yet. Mm-mm. We don't have Instagram accounts with Mm-mm. five million people and no. you know the Kardashians inviting us over for pool parties. No. But what we do have is a love of board games, card games, video games, role-playing games, all games, play more games. Um, and recently, within the last month or two, I saw I got I got tagged in a 10 days, 10 games. And every day you nominate one person to start doing their 10 days and 10 games. And you would just include an image of the cover of the board game or a card game, you know, computer game. So we all participated uh, one way or another. We, we each were tagged by somebody or each other <laughs> um, and did our 10 days of game covers. So what I thought would be fun is podcast format. You know, we're not going to show a cover, but we can kind of talk about the title a little bit and why it was important, what was interesting. Um, so let's start with our day one. Um, Troy, let's, let's just go to you and then we'll, we'll go around the the room here sure my day one was easy it was space hulk and so anybody who's listened to this podcast for more than <laughs> one episode will know why that's important uh, it was like my foray into really games workshop stuff um and it's a game i still play we're going like 30 years later and run and run right uh still play still run um and it's and, and besides the game it's also again the community that the amount of people I've met and the things I've gotten to do through running that game and, and different things like that. So that's why it was my kind of easy, like first day throw up there. So very cool. Um, my first day was access and allies. Uh, so that game was important to me cause it was my first, you know, beyond risk access and allies went to the next level of complexity. Mm-hmm. Um, unit choices, more going on different ways of resolving combat, uh, and it was really my first experience with a, a war game, I guess, um, beyond risk. And my dad and I would play a lot of uh, Access and Allies, and Tom would play with us. And then some guys I knew in, in high school, um, Josh, you might know, remember Chad and John Kapsik, uh, mm-hmm. we would play in, in Chad's basement in high school, uh, Access and Allies games with like four players. Um, and it was just one of those games that kept coming back, and I still have it 
on my shelf and I haven't had it out in years, but it would be fun, you know, some afternoon to, to take it out and play it. But that was my first day was access and allies. So when I was a fledgling nerd, um, magic, the gathering was very, uh, it, it was one of the first, um, kind of nerdy games that I ever played. My cousins <clears throat> were, I, I would occasionally spend the night at their house and, I showed up one weekend and they had these decks and, and at the time, you know, they were like huge decks, like instead of like, <laughs> you know, the 60 card decks, they had like, you know, hundred, 120 cards. And uh, yeah, so they were like, Oh, let's, let's play. This is awesome. And so they got me into it. We went to the local game store and I bought a bunch of packs and slowly, you know, got sucked in. So yeah, that was my day one for sure. So how about you bring back day two? We'll do this like a snake draft. Cool, yeah. Uh, day two, um, Lords of Waterdeep. And I think it's because it's sort of D&D themed and it's um, kind of Euro-ish, you know. Um, and Troy actually likes it and plays mm-hmm. it. And yep. we've played it a bunch of times. We haven't played it in a while, but um, it's, it's one of those that... Hits the hits the table fairly regularly, and we've played a bunch of times. And I, I don't know. I, I always have good fond memories of Lords of Waterdeep. Yeah, I feel like Lords of Waterdeep is the game. Like if you say, "Oh, we're gonna play Lords of Waterdeep," most people will be like, "Sure, well, right." Yeah, right. Yeah. So my my day two is Twilight Imperium. Uh, Twilight Imperium holds a, a special place in my heart. It's it's probably if I think about what's actually my favorite four X game, it's Twilight Imperium. Um, I mean, if it wasn't for the eight hours it takes to play, uh, <laughs> I would play it every weekend. Um, you know, I played third edition. It was something my brother and I really, really enjoyed playing together. And a few times we would travel when Matt and Elena were living in Sun Prairie. Um, we would bring it to play three or four player games, you know, and play Friday night until five or six in the morning, sleep a little bit, then play more games the rest of the weekend. <laughs> um, but it was one of those. So just some very like important moments of the game where I remember, you know, things happening and how it went, you know, you, you play at diplomacy, you play at warfare trade. There's different ways to win Uh, just an incredibly deep game. And, and uh, definitely one of my all time favorites. If, if I had to make like a top five, it's probably in that, in that list. It's a gap for me. Never played it. Oh man. It's, it's an experience. Six. It's one of those experience games where even if you don't enjoy it, it's it's worth right. like the mm-hmm. the sit down and the the attempt. Uh, my day two was cheating a little bit, so I put uh, Deathwing, which <laughs> was the first expansion for Space Hulk. Um, <laughs> and so my thought was that it was really like this. Space Hulk was was good. I felt like that. The expansion is really what made it amazing. Like you added the assault cannon, like I, because right now, like people wouldn't think of Space Hulk without an assault cannon and all the heavy weapons and and things like that. So I think it just added, like it it made this good thing great, and that's kind of what's helped it last for thirty some years. Um, so I, I kind of cheated and put uh, Deathwing, which was the first expansion, the original version, in there from <laughs> nineteen ninety one or whatever it was. Oh, I have to go back now. I have to circle back. Huh? Day three. Day three. All right. So I put 
expert version of Dun- the original Dungeons and Dragons. So not AD and D, but basically the basic D and D set. Um, and I put the expert version because this is what we played the heck out of. Um, is this that was, the red box? This was the blue box blue. that went after. So the basics that only went like levels one through three, maybe something like that. One through five. I think it was like one through three in the in the red box. Um, somebody's going to totally correct me. Um, and that's why I kind of put expert because we ended up, you know, because we played and this was the family. This is the Weiss family um, campaign that went on for many many years uh that we played basically the that rule set um but in i put the expert because again kind of like deathwing like this was the set that kind of fleshed it out and yeah it was the basic set dnd kind of got me into it but expert is where we kind of lived and introduced you know wilderness adventuring things that right now you'd be like what do you mean wilderness adventuring isn't that always been a thing no it wasn't always a thing right it was only dungeons and dragons was dungeons right dungeons and crawling through stuff so um so yeah, and just a simple, you know, pretty basic rule set, but enough there that you could do whatever you wanted to do. So, so that was mine. Blue box D and D. Very cool. My uh, my day three was also a role playing game, but slightly different. Uh, Fiasco. So Fiasco, the collaborative storytelling game uh, from Bully Pulpit, where you sit down, you create a character, you create the different um, things that bind you off of these tables and you, you roll dice to get a, a twist in the middle um, and then resolve and you're creating scenes. It's like every Coen brothers movie ever yep. takes place around <laughs> your, uh, your table. So such a great game, a lot of yeah. different play sets and just super fun when you get a group of people yep. willing to uh, willing to sit down and improv mm-hmm. and give it their best shot. You end up telling some really incredible stories, having some really incredible experiences. Uh, so F- Fiasco made made my my list of games that have left a, a mark and impression on yeah, me. I was really I smiled when I saw this on Compound Years because yeah. I, I was like, "Yep, same, yep, totally. Yep. This is it." Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, my day three, uh, Zombicide Black Plague. Um, yeah, we we've had a lot of fun with it, and you know, doing the boards and stuff, and and running it at different events and things. But even just the game itself has been a lot of fun to just play. So, um, yeah, no, great, great game. Um, circling back to day four, um, Warhammer 40K, and I haven't played in many, many years, um, but it's really what brought us all together in the Basement of Death. So uh, I... I, I was you know was kind of pondering what some of these you know games mean to me and I, I was like well without 40k we wouldn't be here so I, I had to do a little nod to 40k there so yep plus it's awesome definitely um, my number four I my day four, four was uh, an old throwback to my childhood Battle Masters um, there was a like four by four mat, like a vinyl mat that had map hexes on it uh, that you'd spread out on your living room floor. And all of these miniatures that you would move through hexes and do combat with dice. It was a collaboration between uh, Games Workshop and Milton Bradley. Uh, And it used creatures and models very familiar to the the Warhammer world, you know, Empire Knights, a big ogre, um, goblin archers, and 
you played these battles um, through rolling dice and moving on hexes, rank and file troops. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a huge box, and it was always fun to open it up and uh, put them out there. And it, it's probably what paved the way for me to then get yeah. interested in like old fantasy battle and uh, epic and 40k. A lot of those other games, workshop games. That was my first exposure to. Um, to Games Workshop was through their collaboration mm-hmm. with Milton Bradley in a, a more accessible game. So, yeah, again, another one that I when I saw it on your list, I was like, yeah, fond memories. Same thing. We had we had Battle Masters throwing it out in the living room. You had to play it on a floor, yeah, right, and put it out, and yeah, and I think yeah, I think it was like that original like seed to get into miniature gaming. It probably created like some of that initial desire. So. Um, what are we on? Four? Oh, four. So four I put was the original Starfleet Battles, which, I again, I spent many, many years probably um, watching Paint Dry, which is what this game was, but it was the best <laughs> thing we had uh, in terms of uh, kind of sci-fi. And it was Hex, Counters, Star Trek. I mean, basically it was... A license, semi licensed version of the Star Trek universe. So you had all those kinds of ships um, and just super detail. I mean, again, I think leading into a miniature game, super detailed combat rules. Um, like you would get the rule book in a three leaf binder because <clears throat> what they would do is you'd get errata sheets that you would then slide into the rule book i mean we think the rules for you know, our games now are bad like there was like and how many rules arguments you would have was amazing <laughs> but what was interesting is um what was it task force games or whatever it was the great who i think they're still around like there's still some version of starfleet battles around i think at origins you probably could have played it ty i know that there they used to have real big um Star stuff that battles. battle stuff and i think they still do that's one uh one thing and uh I think when I threw that there, Ty was like, "Oh, we need to play it," and I was, I kind of like, "No, we really, we really don't." <laughs> but it it, 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 it was an experience at the time. It was kind of a, I think, a game of its time. Um, and and I don't know how many games we probably never finished, like because it, you'd, you'd start it and you'd get going, and then it would be you know two in the morning, and be like, ah, "All right, good enough. We'll we'll call it." Because uh, it, you basically had impulse. Um, so like 32 so you basically had, you broke a turn into 32 parts and depending on your speed that's someone you'd move on certain <laughs> impulses so very complicated it create you know pretty much a simulation but um super complicated but we had some fun with it and again i think part of it was the the, the theme i mean there was a lot of a, like imagination because you really were old school cardboard and half inch chits or whatever it was so um but i spent lots and lots of the that's probably the eighties. Hate to say it. Yeah. The eighties playing that game. So. Excellent. All right. Not to rapper again. Oh, I have to go again. All right. Um, <laughs> I'm doubling up, but I'm going to do a little different. Um, also again, um, formative for me was magic. The gathering, um, back in 90, I put the, the unlimited edition cause that's the version that I got into that existed in 19. Somebody help me. 92, 93. Sure. Sounds good. Yeah, third not, third not, edition revised was really where I I came in. Um, so we get yeah. So it was kind of like alpha beta, kind of like is when they were trying to figure this thing out, and then unlimited was like the first pretty wide. I think one that they you know they, they reprinted over and over, and so mm-hmm. yeah, we got in. John and I got in hard. 
um, in that uh, unlimited and had all kinds of stuff, the black lotuses and all the crazy stuff that I think is still around in some version or another. Um, actually played one competitive tournament, um, realized that wasn't for me as the guy's dropping this chaos orb. On my, <laughs> if anybody knows that was literally the card you picked up two feet above and dropped, dropped it on it, and yeah. then anything it touched like disintegrated. Yeah. And yeah, he was a total dick. Um, <laughs> So, but, cool. but we played a ton of it. And so, again, that's still like, and as I dabble every once in a while around magic, but that's what got me started many, many, many years ago. My uh, number five, right in the middle, um, kind of a, a pinnacle game for me Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. So, the second edition, that player's handbook cover, uh, I was at my cousin's <laughs> house for a holiday and I saw it and flipped it open and was just enamored right away. Um, I think, you know, we get we get back to our house and the next day I'm at the bookstore buying it uh, and from there on it was you know designing campaigns to play with my my brother who was probably seven at the time and my dad so a two player <laughs> game that I was GMing and then into middle school where I started playing you know my first games with with people my own age um, but that that book that player's handbook for AD and D second edition with the adventuring party coming you know through the cave or the door and you see them and then all the art in that edition was uh, some of my favorite books that i still own to this day are are those hard covers that that phb the dm's guide and that first monsters manual mm-hmm. so yep josh day five day five uh splendor um i don't know why i i always really enjoy playing splendor um and games like it um you guys have said in the past this might be the splendor killer and that sort of thing <laughs> and we can't and, do it we keep yeah. it keeps coming back i don't know it, it's 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 very clean it's very it, I, I, I don't want to say simple because it's not it's not simple per se but it's it's you know it's very it, it all makes sense and there's a lot of i don't know i it, it i don't know I, I really enjoy that game uh it yeah anyway checks a lot of boxes i'm on that course it does there you go uh that was for you ty day six uh dead of winter um it's it's one of those games with the traitor mechanic that i it always surprises me who it is um and like usually we figure it out towards the end but like you know leading up to it it's i don't know we've always had really fun games of dead of winter and you know it's not you know it's not the end all be all uh game of the year but it it i think we always have fun playing it so yeah it just kind of popped into my head when we were thinking about these games yeah so my my day 6 is the game that i the board game that i probably have played the most times out of any um and that is Carcassonne, uh, tile placing. You're building a feudal city, um, castles, farming fields, putting workers down in different places, building longest roads. Um, the the first time Matt introduced me to it, it was a game he had at his house. Love like instantly, just I loved how it worked, and I loved the strategy of it. Then when my brother and I were living together, it was the game that would get played. Uh, just in in any hey we got 30 minutes let's play carcassonne um and we would run it back you know four five six times uh just to to keep playing 
play it with her dad, play it with other people, you know, and bring it along almost every time. In fact, my copy is, uh, I think he has it now because him and his friend Charlie had been playing it a little bit. So it's, it's just one of the, it's, once you know it, it's so easy and it plays so fast. It's, um, and it, but it's tactical it's and it's, tactical, yeah. it has depth in it. Every yep. time you play it, it's different. Yeah. So, um, that, that is certainly one of the, the pillars for me. Cool. Day six, I went back to the an old GW um, board game, uh, Dungeon Quest. So this is the board game where you're um, you're the adventurers and you go into the dungeon, um, and it's basically a randomly ge- generated dungeon. As you go in, you have to go in to get the treasure from the dragon who may be sleeping, and then in long there's a tra- a time track as the sun's rising. And basically, you have to get back out of the dungeon by the time the sun sets. Otherwise, you die. Um, and it, where, what it was for me is we just had hilarious fun. Because you die, and you die again. And you're like, oh, I flip over a tile. Oh, there's a trap. Spikes. You're dead. Like and for and like we it, it hit us in like the right time and right and right people and I just remember laughing and you know and it's not a great game because like you said you may have player elimination all the time and you may play for one tile in and be dead and then you sit there for half hour while they're finishing up um, or and it also creates this excitement of like oh is can you get out of the dungeon you're going to get it and the sun's coming and can you get through the thing so. Uh, what's interesting is like over time, like Clank probably does this better now. Like there, it's similar on the, but um, I still own the original, original um, version from whatever, again, the nineties um, of dungeon quest that I keep as kind of a collector's edition. And then it was redone by fantasy flight too. That's and, also fun. But I, I it's yeah. like part of this is the experience. I remember having with the game uh, is why I threw it on my list. I feel I feel like it was that Origins trip where we played Lords of Waterdeep yeah. and we played. Oh, we, we played Dungeon the fantasy the, fi- the fantasy the, flight version they too. They released yep. it, yep. I think, at that Origins yep. or the year before at Gen Con. Yep. So we played the new version, new version, which has the same. Yeah, same, they didn't yeah. they they didn't change it too much. They kept that spirit yeah. of like you literally can go in two tiles and die, like and make a die roll. No, it didn't make it. So, um, so rolling to day seven again, another double up a little bit. I had the. Uh, Warhammer 40,000 Rogue Trader um, book, the original. Um, and what hit me is I didn't, you know, I was a, a longtime reader of Dragon Magazine, always subscribed, had millions and millions of copies of that. I remember seeing the ad for Warhammer 40,000, and I never got into fantasy. Like, Warhammer came out, I think, a year or two before um, from Games Workshop, and I wasn't, for some reason, that didn't grab me. But when I saw that cover for Rogue Trader 40,000 and the sci-fi miniature thing and that whatever original Space Marine guy who's there. The beak? Yeah. And it and that just grabbed all and then grabbed me and all of us because, I mean, John and Ben and I, we all were in on that big time and trying to, you know, Rogue Trader, which was a funny, right, not at all interesting, a weird rule set, right? You could have not very, you couldn't be competitive, and as brothers, you were trying to be competitive, so I, again, had millions of fights, and you can't do that, right? <laughs> but we had a lot of, we play, kept playing it, and kept pulling it out and playing it, and trying to figure out how to fight with metal miniatures, and how to glue things together, and ugly paint jobs, and all that stuff, but uh, but that, yeah, then again, it started the path of many, many years later of Again, meeting you guys and everything else is all kind of this winding road that's tied to that original 40k Rogue Trader stuff. Cool. 
So along similar lines, my day seven was another Games Workshop product, Age of Sigmar. Um, AOS is certainly a, a fun game, and and it's the first time though that I've I've really participated in a broader community mm-hmm. than outside of like my circle of mm-hmm. friends or group. Um, you know, traveling to the different tournaments, meeting people from from Nashville, from out east, mm-hmm. from Australia, the UK, just like being a part of a game community that kind of goes outside of the circle of friends mm-hmm. that that I have in the local area. You know, join, uh, joining, I uh, use air quotes, a gaming club like guys from Milwaukee mm-hmm. or Wisco Kings or getting to know Bryce and Brendan and Heath. Um, there's just been a community sense of that game that made it more, uh, you know, just, I don't want to say more real, but more tangible of being a part of something a little bit, a little bit bigger. Cause we talk a lot about the community and the people, but for the most part, the people that go to these tournaments are really great people yeah, and, yeah. and a good, a good group. So age of Sigmar day seven, Josh, day seven, day seven. Um, so Gloomhaven, um, I've, we've played only a couple times um but the depth to that game and just the the heft of that game and just everything around it it, it's it's been so fun playing it um i I don't know it it, it's sort of next level you know it's it's uh kind of dungeon crawl world building kind of all wrapped you know leveling up your character like all wrapped into one so yeah no it's super fun um enjoying playing it uh and i think they did a great job with that game so yeah next level day eight um so our our friends at uh anvil eight uh i think it's awesome what they're doing with with their games especially ethereum and that whole world and that game and um it's just it's so cool to see that catching on and people enjoying playing it and seeing pictures on Twitter of people painting up the miniatures and, and everything. So, um, I I don't know. Ethereum kind of speaks to me from, you know, being a computer nerd a little bit that, that world. Uh, so yeah, I think what, what they're doing is great. So Ethereum's definitely on my, on my list. Cool. My, my day eight, I went away from, um, analog and i went digital uh with dark age of camelot um so i played i've played a lot of mmos uh in in the last 20 years or so um and dark age of camelot was the first one where i really got involved in uh guild politics uh became an officer in a guild uh, active in pvp it was a game that really made player versus player interesting to me um, I dabbled in it and some other games, uh, but Dark Age had a unique three realms, and there was realm versus realm with like frontiers and border keeps, and um, you know my brother and I would run around with a, another guy that we got to know, uh, stealthing and just attacking people at crossroads and climbing into these keeps, and it had just a, a incredible PvP system for a game that was you know developed and released probably close to 20 years ago at this point. Um, and, you know, I've, I've played other MMOs since and, and for longer, but Dark Age is the one that really, like, set me down that path of enjoying open-world PvP. Cool. My number eight, again, a repeat, uh, Zombicide Black Plague. 
uh, is just the game we one of the board games that we've and miniature board games I guess right that it's I was amazed I think it came out in 2016 uh, so it's like three years old and again we keep playing it a lot put a lot of energy into it um, and just having fun and I, and I look back at how many as we played it it still kind of always tells some kind of a little story and there's some adventure and there's excitement of who barely survived or barely didn't survive and and how did they get out um and so yeah so it, it made the list just as because as one of these games that's uh got some and i think it's still got some legs on it because um there's still i feel like i still haven't even dug in a whole lot onto the green horde side and uh, we'll probably keep doing that for at least a few more years before it gets uh who knows maybe mm-hmm. maybe it'll last under 30 like space Hulk, but we'll see <laughs> <laughs> um my number nine is kind of a uh, old school one is was a stock car racing game, which is a um, card based. And I don't, did I ever play this with you guys? I don't know if I ever dragged it out. No, didn't drag no, it out for you guys. I, I have so. with it. Um, so basically, it's decks of cards. So it was um, done by we uh, discovered this at Origins in about in like 1995. A uh, small independent release game, basically a decks of cards that um, you have for each car that kind of simulate. Um, doing uh, doing laps and, and passing and so forth, and then you have a deck for each track and things like that. And so, it was a interesting in that it was card based, but it also tri- very much tried to simulate because the guy who designer did it knew a lot about stock car racing and tried to simulate that. And you'd have like at Origins, you'd have these huge, basically full field forty three people <laughs> playing, and they would play with the giant you know one twenty eight or whatever it was the scale diecast cars laid out um and you didn't like move around the track it was all like relative positioning so you would kind of move back and forth um or along the thing but basically it was all relative positioning because you were simulating doing multiple laps in one turn of suit so um a really fun game i think some of it was the experiences we had at origins with and, and larger things but we've done you know we all bought sets of it and we've done it with you know, half a dozen, 10 people and, and still, and I still own it. And I was funny. I was talking to uh, Mike Halls today at work about, for some reason it came up, we were talking about uh, racing games and ended up talking about that one. So, um, so someday maybe we'll have to figure out, I have to do a simulation or something. Uh, we get enough. You have to get the, like the right number of people to get feel. And it was a game I actually ran at Gen Con a few, I, mean, I don't know how long ago, a few years ago. Um, and just did it as a con game with some people because I think that's kind of probably works best. You have a lot of people, but uh, I don't know if you can get it anymore. So I may own. I shouldn't say it. Noble Knight Games. I looked. They actually have a few in their stock. So very cool. I guess I will go to my sports simulation game. Uh, <laughs> day nine. Appa A P B A baseball. Um, Appa does a number of. Uh, games, hockey, football, mm-hmm. baseball was the one that I got into. I'm a I'm a stat geek when it comes to baseball, um, and Appa was a simulation. You had these boards that were you would reference with. You'd roll two d six, and the player card would have a number, and you'd reference on the situation board. So if you had a runner on first and one out, you'd check a column and yeah. it'd tell you the result. And it was made to be a realistic recreation of the stats of the prior season. So like if you played as the 1990 Chicago White Sox, Frank Thomas would probably hit somewhere between 25 and 45 home runs. And um, I had a teacher in fourth grade that had the game that 
would let us play over lunch and we had six of us or seven that would we did a league we each mm-hmm. had one of the teams and we would play over our lunch and record the results and the stats and then i i bought it uh, or i had it purchased for me i think a few years later in like 92 and i spent several months recreating an entire season mm-hmm. for a team and i played all of their games and then my dad helped me set up a on our old Mac uh, computer a spreadsheet <laughs> for stats so it would calculate batting average yeah. and yeah, so I, I kept like the stats it was it was pretty ridiculous but <laughs> Appa baseball and that's when I want to revisit they're still out there yeah. which is crazy yeah, yeah. to they're me still around. they moved to the computer but it's it's always people when they talk about it either know Stratomatic was one that was similar or Appa and it was a statistical simulation of baseball using dice and, and cards yep I think I showed you. I had a friend in college that had done something like a, a similar version or something like that, a little stream. And again, we did the same thing. One summer, we played a whole league of of that, and uh, and then had our own. I don't know what it was. Some old computer. We were keeping our old stats, and yeah, yeah. I don't know what the. It, it was a blast. Yeah, I don't know what the 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 real calling of it is, but it was a lot of fun with those games. Keeping on the sports theme. Uh, <laughs> Funny how that worked. It's yeah, like yeah, we, right? yeah. we didn't. Yeah, we did not funny. even plan that. <laughs> um, yeah, so I was I was trying to do only um, board games, mm-hmm. card games, but uh, I had to throw in one video game, uh, and this is a game I I played many, 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 many hours. Uh, Tecmo Super Bowl. I've probably played this game. More than any... Well, no. I, I take that back. World of Warcraft. World of Warcraft. Yeah. <laughs> Scratch that. But Tecmo Super Bowl really um, got me into video gaming. Uh, and and kind of similar to the stats and you know keeping track, they had a really great um, stat track system toward, you know, at the... Um, I don't know. In one of the screens, you could see how many yards you had, how many touchdowns you had. And I ate that stuff up i thought that was so cool so um yeah trying to you know do a season almost only running the ball you know, trying to get the most yards running the ball and then doing a season trying to just throw the ball yeah so uh yeah it was super fun had a great 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 time with tecmo super bowl coming back day 10 um D. so uh, i didn't pick a specific version like you guys did <laughs> I just kind of did D and D in general. Um, I played, you know, several different editions and uh, with different groups, and uh, I don't know. It, you know, I'll take a little hiatus from it, and then we'll come back and we'll, you know, get a group together and we'll play and super fun. So, um, had D and D in my life since I don't know middle school or something. So, in one one way or another. So yeah. So my day 10 uh, is Mage, um, kind of the world of darkness. About three years ago, set out on a adventure with a group of strangers that have now become very dear friends of mine, Paul and, and Jen, uh, Ben, and, and now my brother plays with us. But we, the world that we've collaboratively built, I mean, Paul's done the lion's share of the work, but uh, I've never been a part of a role-playing game that went into such depth of character and location and backstory. Um, so that play experience has, has been absolutely incredible. Um, but mage and the world of darkness, what's cool about mage is reality is there to, to be bent to your will as a user of magic. 
And yes, it strikes back at you, but if you can think about doing something in the world with magic, Mage has a way that you can do that. So it's as far as the creativity of a player, um, it, it's unbound uh, and, and just a fantastic system and a cool modern world um, with a lot of the occult lore and, and other really crazy stuff. Uh, so Mage, the, the 20th anniversary edition, has been um, life-changing from a role-playing game standpoint. All right, last but not least, my number 10. Again, another duplicate, um, but I finished up with Ethereum, again, that Josh had. Um, I think the uniqueness of the game, but partly I, I'm just from the impact of, again, Ty and I meeting Brian at Adepticon years before uh, Ethereum. It was probably an idea in Brian's head at that time. Uh, and then, But watching that game come through and then the people we all met uh, through our relationship with Brian and Will and, and Aaron and everybody that we've met and uh, with that. So it's uh, kind of more than the game, but kind of the community and all our friends that we've, we've kind of met through that. And, uh, cool. But, uh, and now the RPG I think is going to be a whole new, new thing for us to explore. So pretty cool. Definitely. Well, uh, that was, that was a fun little trip down nostalgia road. Um, but put a little context to the, the Twitter thing and the images, which, um, is is fun to do, you know. It's a, uh, you know, we've talked about our origin stories as gamers, and we've done top ten lists and gamer profiles. But these these weren't like the ten we're taking with us. These were just ten impacts for different reasons. So it was kind of cool to to go down that uh, that narrative path with you guys. Um, we are gonna take a real quick break and then come back for Play It or Slay It, where we will review Treasure Decks by Nord Games for Dungeons and Dragons Fifth Edition. are back for play it or slay it where we will review treasure decks by nord games uh an accessory using the open game license uh for dungeons and dragons fifth edition um i believe you could also probably use it for pathfinder um or other games in that kind of near ogl um license world um but what they are is they are accessories for a game master a dungeon game master's toolbox is how they brand it um, and the treasure decks are 52 card uh, decks that take items from the fifth edition core rule books and they put them in uh, your player's hands with random loot drops for specific uh, challenge rating encounters so they have decks for first through fourth level challenge rating five through eight nine through 12. Uh, 12, 13 through 16, and then 17 through 20. So um, the deck is uh, appropriately um, seated with loot. And uh, what, they, what they tell you to do, they include an instruction card with each one, which I will take a moment to read to give everyone the, the full effect. But you reward your players with loot by drawing a card from the deck and rolling a d12 to determine the treasure they find. It is up to the GM whether players draw their own cards or the GM draws for them. Magical items are marked by italic text in parentheses. You can, you know, uh, use an appropriate check if you know what they are. And depending on the situation or setting, you can draw one card or several. So they suggest, for example, looting a particularly tough goblin might yield one card, but finding the goblin's treasury might result in one card per player. 
To build a horde, you keep drawing cards and rolling until the result of a dice is a 12. So if you're building a true end-boss treasure horde, you would you know draw multiple cards and roll. Um, but each of the cards then has uh, a chart, and it's you could go to a random card, roll your dice, and then there's something for one through six, which is usually monetary, but it gives a really cool description. Um, like I'll, I'll read the ones on this card. A lurid figurine of gold and precious stones, anatomically detailed, worth 4,490 gold. 7 through 9. Only the bearer of this scroll can hear the faint screams of the souls trapped in the writhing ruins written upon it. A ninth level warlock spell scroll. 10 through 11. A fine piece of parchment, rolled and held closed with a wax seal depicting two hands clasped, clasped in prayer. Ninth level cleric spell scroll. Or 12, a beautifully crafted robe made of fine white silks with gold, a pleak, and braiding along the edges. Robe of the Archmage. So this is clearly the CR 17 to 20 uh, <laughs> deck. So the treasures are significantly more valuable. But as a dungeon master, if you are creating a dungeon and you need to seed it with treasure, there's a lot of charts in the DM's guide which can be unwieldy unless you know exactly what you want. Um, this just gives you a quick, ready resource to say... Hey, you killed the CR of this encounter. Here's a treasure. Roll a dice. Cool. Yeah. And it, it's a just a handy tool to take some of that planning and um, uh, design out of the GM's hand so you can spend more time playing. Um, I don't know. Uh, you know, it's a deck of cards. <laughs> um, yeah. mm-hmm. It's clean, easy to read. Um, cool art of like a dragon over his treasure hoard on the back. Uh, the price point on the yeah. each deck was fifteen dollars, uh, but they did. Uh, you know, if you bought four, you got one free for essence. Um, and the company is Nord Games; they're out of California. They also do content for um, setting agnostic um, adventures, so they have some like uh, adventure books and other resources. This was just, you know, one of them that that I saw and, and picked up a few. So what are some of your initial thoughts as far as the, the deck and the resource? Um, I like the, the level of detail they put in here. I think like, that's like, that's what you're kind of paying for. Like that's the value you're getting out of it. Right. Cause you could roll on a chart and get like, here's the magic weapon I can get right a gauntlet of ogre power or 400 gold or gold whatever. Yeah. The fact that it's a fanciful three pronged spear, two cr- scrolls smeared with chocolate fingerprints, right? Like the <laughs> really like, and that's just like that. I just randomly pulled that. All the descriptions have like that really cool, Rich. like how many of them talked about like a smell yeah. or something like, I think that that's what can easily add, um, you know, just adds that little bit of more detail and more in, you know depth to to that, and it's just again you wouldn't have to do you know you, yes I could do that if I prepped and spent energy at doing it or I quickly flip a card out. So I feel like that's the value they're giving you, right? Is they put a lot of energy into crafting what you know each of these things um, very separately. I also like that. I mean, they could have made this deck a little bit thicker and done you know put all these different things. Mm-hmm into their own card. Mm. I, I like the fact that they put, you know, four different things on it and you're rolling a die. And so there's a chance you can get a really good item, but you have to roll a 12. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, mm. so you're putting, putting a little bit of that randomization um, and a little bit of luck, you know, to, to the uh, getting the better type thing. So yeah, like 10 and 11, 
is a pretty decent item, and then a twelve is like a you know something pretty awesome. Um, I think like you were saying, one through six is you know something monetary, and seven through nine is something a little bit better. So yeah, as you go up in number, you're getting something cooler. Uh, I think that's it. It's adding another element. So you're drawing a card, but you're also rolling a die. Like it, it sounds a little. A little much, but it adds a little bit of a little something yeah. to it, right? I don't know. Yeah. What What else too is generally the the act of of treasure is um, the player is not aware, you know, of mm-hmm. uh, is it planned? Is it unplanned? Is it improved? Is it um, you know something the DM carefully crafted? Is it part of the written adventure? Is it something they introduced just to? So like, there's there's that element that this helps keep that. Um, that mask over the the game so it's not like oh roll roll a dice do this you you can kind of do it in advance or on on the sly have it have it ready and and aware especially playing online i mean you can do that Um, but even in person if you create four encounters you know to have this deck next to your hand and there's a draw roll draw roll and then not have to worry about okay let me let me figure out how do i do it's just a, yep. a very clean way to do it, and then the, what does the this spear smell like? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is there blood on this axe? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, and, and the price point, you know, it's it's not terrible as far as like, gaming accessories go. Um, I, you know, you buy it once and you've got so many combinations of, mm-hmm. of treasure. Um, I mean, fifty-two cards with four on each. Yeah, I mean, my gut was like, oh, $15, but then I'm like, I spend $8 for a pot of paint. So I'm like, I feel like I'm getting much more value out of this at $15 than I do out of a, a $7, $8 pot of paint. So I don't know. Yeah. It's a large pizza. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is certainly yeah. a pizza. Um, and, you know, what What I will say is when I went up to the booth at Origins and when you're, when you're an exhibitor talking to other exhibitors, there's kind of that... Um, like we're surviving this, you know, you get that, like, uh, the grizzled, you know, yeah. where you're, you're looking for just a little support. So I stopped over there just as like a break, um, and chatted with the, one of their sales reps, this guy, um, Jesse was super nice and we just had a cool chat. He kind of talked about his products and then it's like, Hey, I'll swing back Sunday, but it was such a, just a low pressure, um, you know, moment to chill out. They had a really small booth and kind of one of the back walls, um, so the the company itself, um, they've got a web store. They they seem like a good you know a good group of people, and they have some interesting products. So I, to me, at a convention, that's always important too. Mm-hmm. Is you walk up to the booth and the experience you get talking to somebody, where they have the time to you know to engage you and, and talk about what they're doing. Um, but so I won't beat a dead horse that's laying over a saddlebag full of 500 gold uh, to death about it. Cause it is at the end of the day, a yeah. deck of cards with randomly generated treasure. They also, one of the decks I picked up was oh, dungeon yeah. discoveries themed to different settings. So it could be like the underdark or it could be, this is the wilderland voyage. <laughs> so you get some uh, descriptions of encounters and you take the, one of the four items from the top of the card with another cards, bottom four items. And it, just gives adventure hooks or dis- different things you find in your travels. So there's some other stuff like that outside of the treasure where it's just, you know, you, you rather than, oh, this room's just empty or it's an empty broom closet, you pull a few of those and you say, yeah, it looks like a broom closet, but over in the corner there's a desiccated corpse of a rat that is blah, blah, blah. What was yeah. it, the rat? I don't know. 
the rising sun coming from the rat <laughs> right. liver. Rat livers, yeah. Rat, rat liver. liver, right. But it just random stuff. So yeah. um, I will start. I, I already bought it. Right. So That's I'm what I'm saying. Kind there's, of, there's no I'm, suspense. I'm kind of pocketed, but um, I, I will play it, and mm. I'm definitely going to use these. Mm. As, as I create adventures, once we get done with Tomb of Annihilation, continuing the campaign on and build some other dungeon encounters and stuff out. So I know I will use it, so I'll play it. Yeah, I think um, especially if you kind of hit some mental block or, you know, kind of have, uh, you just need a quick, like, hey, we defeated this monster and you're, you know, trying to trying to think of something creative and you're like, Ugh, I can't think of anything. This is, this is perfect. You know, this is perfect for those types of situations. So definitely play it. Uh, price point's great. I think, um, and, and you don't have to buy it multiple times, right? You buy yeah. those decks and you're done. So, um, yeah, no, definitely play it from, from me. All right. Ty, I'm going to hold my action. <laughs> when you state you're holding your action, you have to give me a, uh, all right. A so scenario I'm going to hold my action in, Till I'm at, if I was actually running a game, okay, then I would probably look at, at purchasing things. So, yeah. so that's where I yeah. am. Kind of, I don't want to. I don't want to say sure. slay it because right at the moment I'm like I wouldn't buy it because I'm just not active in in DMing anything. So, um, I think if I was actively running a campaign or knew I was coming in in that act thing, definitely something I would look at. Like I said, I'm a little price. I'm like, yeah, but again, it's not buy one or two decks if you again if you know like your party's at a certain challenge rating level you don't need to buy all four decks or whatever and it's so again 15 bucks is nothing um i don't know that i would buy the full set right out of the box but so so i'm holding my action until i'm ready to use i got it i appreciate that (laughs) it's definitely a game master's resource um Mm -hmm. and it is a you know they they label it as such game master's (laughs) toolbox yeah um so that is treasure decks uh, as part of the game master's toolbox from nord games um, where we are playing it, um, I will try to find their uh, website, uh, the link, so that we can put that in the show we'll notes. Throw it up there um, because they do have a lot of this stuff on the web store, um, and uh, they are based in the U.S. They're out in California. I'm not sure if I said that, but that is play it or slay it, and that is also the end of episode thirty-four. So uh, a wonderful time, lots of words, lots of things to listen to, D&D recaps, 10 days of board games, play it or slay it. But now we will wrap up with some upcoming news and events. Everybody's favorite part of the show, Midwest Meltdown. Next up, as far as tournaments and conventions, that's end of July down in Bloomington, Illinois. Um, 120 players. The theme this year is beasts, so everybody is bringing a beast model, and the beasts will play uh, in the realm of Gur, Gur, the realm of beasts. There will be interactions and many different themed beasts and painting beast awards, so Domus is declared at the Year of the Beast, uh, which will be a lot of fun. Right after that, I get back uh, that Sunday night, and then Wednesday morning, I get in a car to head to Gen Con. Um, August 1st through the 4th in Indianapolis, Indiana, the worst state in the union. I mean, I'm, that's harsh. It's not really. <laughs> I, I've just driven through Indiana you recently. Keep and it multiple times. It's not an enjoyable state to drive through. Um, <laughs> end of August, uh, NashCon, Nashville, David Griffin's running that tournament. 
Um, just a great group of guys down there. A lot of Midwest uh, players going down for it. Um, other than that, in the summer months, you know, we're kind of we're we're looking at those mm-hmm. events before we start targeting stuff for the fall. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah. certainly, already looking ahead to game hole. I mean, registration. I think I think badges are open and registration yeah. and stuff is coming out. So I, I know I'm already starting to look ahead to uh, the fall stuff uh, coming up. So. Yeah, definitely. Uh, summer, summer, we're into it, um, and uh, we'll be moving through. Uh, th- you know, speaking of um, road trips and conventions, definitely download the show, listen to it, and then leave us a review on iTunes. Let us know what you think. Hit us up on Twitter or Facebook. Tell us about content. I want to give uh, our guy Josh, our listener, um, mm-hmm. a shout-out. His Space Wolf Dreadnought incredible on twitter josh paint stuff um forge world put it on the page for the contemptor dread mm-hmm. uh just absolutely incredible work so um you know but that's that's a listener interaction that we've got through twitter and uh really appreciative of of that um you know that connection uh basementofdeath.com where the show gets posted tirelessly by troy um, the the workhorse of the uh, the blog that none of us have written anything <laughs> for except for him, um, and then all of our emails: Ty, Josh, Troy, info, and intern at basementofdeath.com. All right, that's gonna do it. Keep the dice rolling, the drinks on ice, and no matter what, keep playing and slaying. I've got a joke for you. All right. So, on the drive back, we were Aaron and I were entertaining ourselves with dad jokes, and Will was getting irritated and turned the volume up on the radio <laughs> so loud that we couldn't actually share. So Aaron texted a dad joke to Will, and since Will had GPS on his phone, you could see it he flash up. Had to see it, uh, which was really funny. Um, two goldfish are in a tank. One says to the other, do you know how to drive this thing? (laughs) I replied, did I ever tell you guys about eating a clock? It was very time consuming. (laughs) Especially when you went back for seconds. Uh, Yep, that's a good one. I have a fear of speed bumps. Oh, yeah. I'm slowly getting over it. <laughs> <laughs> have you guys seen the documentary about constipation? Mm-mm. Me either. We're still waiting for it. <laughs> <laughs> That's where we used the little yeah, sound effect. All right. Yeah. We'll mix it in. You're all weak, tip your waiter. <laughs>